Boom blast. This is week seven of I'll Name This Football Pod later on the On Blast Podcast Network. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, and on YouTube. Tell your friends, my name is Sheldon Alexander, and as always, I'm joined by my dude, Mr. Matt Russell, sports betting professional and host of the Window Sports Betting Podcast. Mr. Russell, how are you doing heading into week seven, my dude? Good, good. Week six was, uh, by and large, outstanding. On Sunday, it was a crush fest and literally swept the board 6-0. and But Woo! just when you think, just when you think, that you've got this league figured out, they throw a couple of Monday games your way and you lose both of them. So uh, <laughs> overall, right, if you had told me, okay, you'd be six and one on your big bets, you'd be sort of nine and three overall, uh, you'd be like, yeah, I'll take that, right? But the NFL always got, has to give you that little mm, sour taste in your mouth at the end to just be like, just hang on there, big cat. You gotta just cool it a little bit. So uh, overall, outstanding, but we do have a little vengeance in our eyes just from that Monday night I love it, my dude. And you know what? Last week's pod, and you know, this is a thing that's super interesting interesting to me. So last week overall, my overall record is six and eight, right? All last week. Lost the last two games on Monday night, which we'll get to for sure. We'll we'll spend some time discussing that for sure. But the funny thing is, my feel in terms of the picks and how I feel about each team and the games and the picks being made is yeah. still pretty good. And yeah. that's different for me, right? And so okay. I'm putting the trust in the long-term feel of everything and still above 500 for the season, which is the goal. And I'll take that for sure. But yeah. it was so funny to think the things that I was really right about last week felt good. Bang yeah. on. We crushed right. some shit last week for sure. Yeah. And then there's some other things, which I guess proves the point of why you laugh at me for making public picks and picking every single game because it yeah. is ridiculous, but this sure. is the fun and this is why we're here doing it. Right. Yeah. And like those 12 games that were played on Sunday, right. I talked about how like we went six and oh on the big bets released on our Sunday podcast um, mm-hmm. over at the window. And you know, you go six and oh, well there was 12 games. It's like, yeah, because I don't have to pick <laughs> all 12 games and those other six, I went three and three. Right. Yeah, so I sort yeah. of, you know, trimmed the fat, so to speak, mm-hmm. got rid of those sort of 500 he could go either way type stuff and was able to really lock in. As you say, like you're really seeing the ball well, right? Like it's yeah. more of a baseball term, right? Yeah. We're in the World Series right now. But, you know, you're seeing the ball well. And that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get a hit every time. Sometimes you're going to line out to the third baseman, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, but if you're seeing the ball well long term, right, you can keep this momentum going. And I like, uh, I like where you're at along with where I like where I'm at as well. For sure. Yeah. So, and again, what we're trying to do here, I just try to pick, make a pick for every single game, trying to win more than I lose. Mr. Russell comes through, poke some holes in a lot of the public narratives that I'm going to bring up as we get through each game. And the end goal for Mr. Russell's end is to try to help us all win some money. That's what we're doing here on the podcast. It still doesn't really have a name, but I'll name this football pod later. Seems to be working well. I feel good about it. The On Blast Network is still rolling. So let's do this, right? Yeah. Um, and speaking of rolling, I don't know if either of these teams are rolling, but there's we, we talked about the crap, facts, the crap fest of games on Monday night. And yeah. now we're heading into a Thursday night. And right. it's the Eagles and Giants. 
And it seems like we got to start our discussion on week seven, talking about the NFC least Eagles are four and a half point favorites at home on Thursday night to the giants. And the winner of this game would be tied with the Cowboys for first place in the division. I didn't see anything that makes me want to ride with Daniel Jones. But one thing I did learn from last week, Carson Wentz isn't going to stop trying to put up points. Whether he's successful or not, their offense is just go, go, go. I know I should probably be leaning towards taking the points, but if you're asking me which side do I want to be on at the end of a game rooting for a score to cover – I just don't want to be a position in a position where I'm rooting for Daniel Jones. So I'm on the Eagles, but what is your take of this absolute just trash factory of a Thursday night game? Well, for the second straight week, I'm going to throw a curveball at you. You'll remember Ooh. last week you wanted to start Tampa Bay, Green Bay. It's the big game of the week. Headliner. Let's get into it, right? We didn't even have a Thursday nighter. So easy decision, Tampa Bay, Green Bay. And normally yeah. we save a couple of things for the end of the podcast, right? One, in the, in the case of last week, is the sucker bet of the week. I yep. turned it on you. I said, guess what? The sucker bet of the week is this big game between the Bays, right? Okay. This week, I'm flipping it. In a different way, this week's survivor pick is the Philadelphia Eagles in the Circa Survivor. So hang on to your hats for that one. So if you're listening to this podcast and the game is going on right now, just know (laughs) that I am completely catatonic throughout this entire game. I don't even know. It doesn't really matter what the score is. It is going to be absolutely brutal. We're down to about 350 out of the original 1,390. So over 75% are out of Circus Survivor. Things are getting interesting. We're going to have to make some moves here. And we're starting tonight. The Eagles, uh, you know, they're, they're going down in weight class, right? We sort of talk about yeah. that on a weekly basis, right? If you've played a bunch of tough teams, you know, and then you play an easier team, it's going to feel like all of your plays are working a lot better. And when you play the Steelers and the Ravens, and then all of a sudden the Giants show up, it's going to feel for the Eagles like their plays are working. Like, why didn't this work last week? And it's like, yep. well... Uh, you know, obviously. And when you're not dealing with Lamar Jackson, when you're not dealing with Ben Roethlisberger throwing it all over the field, Daniel Jones is quite the step down. Now you can make the case that the Giants have played some really, you know, tough teams as well. And maybe this is a little bit easier, but the Washington football team isn't one of those teams. And so last week they go and they get their win. And when I say their win, it might be their only win all season because this Giants team, even in that win, did not look good at all, right? Got an early score, uh, early touchdown, and then basically didn't do anything the rest of the game. And so the yards per play, we talk about sort of how we measure things after the fact. And for offenses and defenses, it's yards per play, right? How efficient are you? Well, the Giants have been, have not cracked five yards per play all season long. You can go up and down their box scores and it's 4.5, 4.7, 4.8, 4.6, all across the board. The last two weeks against pretty good teams in the Steelers and the Ravens, the Eagles have been in the high fives, 5.7, 5.8. Not a huge number, right? Because sort of the league average is around five and a half. Yeah. But at least it's slightly above average against some really good teams. And now you're going up against a Giants team that has hung in in games, right? So people are 
you know, thinking that this is a competitive team, but just offensively, that just hasn't been the case, right? Even no. against the Cowboys, whose defense is pretty bad, like they move the ball a little bit, but you look at Daniel Jones's numbers, right? And this guy's barely cracking 220, 230 yards. He's a little bit of a threat on the ground. And so the way this line has moved, it opened six and a half, you know, before this past weekend, right? That was the look ahead line. Open yeah. this week at six. Miles Sanders was ruled out and Zach Ertz was ruled out. So a lot of people kind of freaked out and the line dropped to three and a half. Well, the betters out there sat and went, we're not moving a line on a running back. We're not (laughs) moving a line on a guy who was like catching one ball for eight yards pretty frequently this season. So why would we move this line down from six, six and a half all the way down to three and a half. And so the lines pop back up to four and a half because that was such a ridiculous adjustment. Right. And so now we're looking at this team going, you know what, like this Giants team just still isn't very good right now. And the Eagles, for as much as their lack of success, let's just Mm -hmm. call it, um, has sort of, you know, prevailed in the media. It's a team that believes that they can win this division. They're looking around going like, we're better than them. We're better than them. And then they watch that Monday night game and they're like, we're definitely better than them. (laughs) And so it's like, okay, there's no reason that they're not going to show up for this game. In general, Thursday nighters favor the favorite. They favor the home team, you know, rookie coach with a short week to prepare. And a couple of guys that the Eagles are getting back, Lane Johnson, way more critical to their offensive success than Miles Sanders, right? Nobody has Lane Johnson on their fantasy team, but that doesn't mean (laughs) that he's not more important, right? Same Mm -hmm. thing with Deshaun Jackson. He's returning. Now there's some skepticism about how long he might actually play because we've seen him come back run three routes, pull a hamstring, and then be out of there again. But he will do more to sort of affect in general the offense in a positive way than just having Zach Ertz out there at this point. So uh, we like the Eagles. A lot of it's sort of strategic based, right? So you have to sort of listen to the podcast to get a deeper dive into that. But yeah, the Eagles are the survivor pick. I talked earlier in the week on the podcast about getting that three and a half, loving that a lot. Four and a half, right? We're starting to, you know, we're no longer getting the best of the number, but we're still getting better than that look ahead line of six, six and a half. And I just don't think there's been anything that's happened in the last week, even with the Sanders and Ertz injuries that would make that, you know, it still should be six, right? At the very least. Totally. And again, I know we'll reference it a bunch of different times on throughout this podcast. But of course, if you are not listening to Mr. Russell's The Window Sports Betting Podcast, you're missing out because there's gems being handed out all week long. So for sure, he's going to come here, sprinkle some info here and there, but the real meat, the real steak, the sizzle, <laughs> it's on The Window Podcast. So go yeah, check that out. we're it right for... off the bone. Right off the bone, we're cleaning <laughs> it over there. So yeah, the Eagles, it's just, I, I, I just, I just don't see, I don't want to be in a position where I'm rooting for the Giants in this game. That's, that's as simple as it sounds. And, and no, I know I come with the Joe Public take on this pod, but that's as Joe Public as it gets. I'm not going to be here rooting for Daniel Jones in the Giants offense. It's not about that life. So sticking with the NFC least, the aforementioned first place Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> who have allowed the fourth most points in NFL history through six games of a season, right? Your first place Dallas Cowboys, quarterbacked by the one, the only Andy Dalton, who couldn't have looked worse. Zeke. Well, I'm going to hang on a second. Hold on, hold on, hold on. okay. Like, everybody trashes Andy Dalton, and I'm not here for that. I'm not here for that. Andy Dalton, who 
looked like Andy Dalton. How about that? Yeah, okay. Serviceable <laughs> NFL quarterback. Absolutely. Okay. okay, fair. I was getting to the point of crushing Zeke, who really is the one who deserves to be crushed, who I last week was sitting here saying, we need to feed Zeke, we need to feed Zeke, let Zeke cook. What did I say? Pound the rock, straight up the gut, nothing fancy yeah. about it. You know Don't what you Zeke was feeding? Zeke was feeding the turf with footballs with all his fumbles, costing the team the game. Horrible loss for the Cowboys on Monday night, prime time. And with that said, I was super wrong about the Cowboys. But I'm going to put that aside. And as they go against your Washington football team, somehow I find myself in a position where I'm like, I'm going to take the Cowboys. <laughs> Tell yeah. me why I'm crazy, Mr. Russell, as the Cowboys okay. are in a pick'em game. One point favorites right. against Washington. Well, I mean, listen, first of all, like we do need to rehash that a little bit because we did talk pretty extensively about that Cowboys game going into it, right? And the handicap mm-hmm. going in was twofold, right? One, that the offense was going to look as similar as it possibly could with Andy Dalton. Like it wasn't going to be that much of a step down. Unfortunately, yeah. it was exactly what we've seen from the Cowboys in that they still turned the ball over. And in this case, it wasn't Andy Dalton. I thought Andy Dalton was the best player on the field for the Cowboys. Now that might not be saying saying. all that much, (laughs) admittedly, right? Because Ezekiel Elliott, is he a noted bowler by any chance? Because he was still rolling that ball down the field (laughs) as though he was going for the 7-10 split. And so, you know, when you're looking at that, you're like, okay, this game, it's 0-0 through the first quarter. And it's like, neither of these offenses are very good at this point. And you go, you know, maybe there's something we can get out of the Cowboys at some point. And like you said, right, what's your old coach's name? Coach Larynx? What was his name? Coach uh, Lilico. Lilico. Coach Lilico, right, wants to pound the rock. Well, yeah. if your guy just, yeah, I don't know if it's because he's wearing like a cashmere sweater underneath his jersey <laughs> or what, but like the ball is loose all the time for Zeke Elliott at this point. And it's in his head, like it's a full-on yip situation. And he's mm-hmm. giving the Cardinals short fields. And all of a sudden that game's 14 to nothing, where, you know, I don't know about you, but in that first half, it didn't look like the Cardinals were going to put a drive together at any yeah. point in time, right? Yeah. And so when you go and you go, hey, just take a 30-yard drive, let's make it easier on you. And how about we go down 14 to nothing? And the one thing the Cardinals are really good at offensively is converting red zone opportunities. So you're really just playing right into their hands with those totally. And fumbles and now the game script is completely out of whack right it's no longer zero zero it's 14 nothing we got to really move the ball here you know obviously the cardinals now can blitz the bleep out of andy dalton they don't have to worry about the run game because zeke elliott's on the sideline spinning his head like not really sure where he is because of all the fumbles right so what's the concern with the run game at that point there is none so we're sending buddha baker we're sending hassan riddick it's just complete chaos from a defensive standpoint and of course then things start to snowball and now it's okay, the difference between the Cowboys offense is when they go down three touchdowns, Dak Prescott isn't there to bring them back, right? The key is not getting down by three touchdowns. But if your star running back that you gave $100 million to is going to put down his soup spoon and grab a football and then just throw it to the other team, roll it on the ground, like you're done. No quarterback off the bench is going to be able to do that. Even a sort of professional, you know, mid-level starter to top backup that Andy Dalton is and nobody else on the team helps him right the offensive line is just letting guys go by the wide receivers are dropping balls they're not stepping up so our handicap was this is a team that's going to have to step up and rally around Andy Dalton and we saw the opposite last week and now we see 
a bunch of, you know, b- you know, BS talk about the coaches and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. And so you go into this Washington game going like, should we expect them to rally now? Because I don't really <laughs> see that. Right. And yeah. so listen, this is a tough game to bet because the, you know, the line opened three for, for the Cowboys and had and immediately like fired down to a pick them. Right. So you just got to yeah. pick the winner. But who do you want in this game? Do you want the Cowboys with completely unable to protect anyone? They lost their best remaining, their fight, their last starter that they had left. They lost him in the first quarter of that yeah. game. They've lost their backup left tackle had knee surgery this week. So they're on their third left tackle, the most important position in the entire sport. And that includes quarterback. And yeah. now you're going up against Chase Young, uh, you know, on, on the basically the Alabama defensive line that Washington <laughs> rolls out there every week right and it's like Andy Dalton's going to be running for his life in that game too but it's a matter of do you really want anything to do with the Washington football team either it's a tough one I would say like lean Washington but it's not going to be one where I'm like pounding the table and like we need to bet the football team not for me and I wonder too you know how much my opinion would change based off of just that last play from the Washington football team last week in which they went for two trying to win the game and just how much that alters our perception of what happened last week. Because let's be honest, how many people really were sitting there watching that full game last week, as opposed to just seeing, Oh, they lost and they were losing for most of the game, but came back late. So it's interesting, right? I I don't know. And it's an ugly game being forced to pick by myself. Yes. I'm going to take the Cowboys still until, you know, I change my mind on Saturday, but I look at the Washington team and there's something I kind of want to touch on here a bit. Right. And it was one of these quote unquote controversies, which I'm doing in air quotes and I'm, I'm bypassing the Cowboys comments of them calling out their coach. Cause that's just a whole dumpster fire on its own. And if you didn't realize from the opening press conference, when Mike (laughs) McCarthy acknowledged that he was lying to Jerry Jones, where he said that he watched every single play from the Cowboy season last year. And my guy admitted that he lied in the opening press conference. If you didn't know this was going to be a dumpster fire, that's on you. So we can kind of like shuffle aside from the Dallas Cowboys and go to this. And I'm, I'm saying it again controversy with air quotes because this whole going for two thing and Mm. i know that people make it seem like this is an analytical thing more so than just like to me seems like common sense and i think you might agree with me but washington was involved in one of these things last week where they scored a touchdown late and they go for two trying to get the win um what did you make of that play call first off from the Washington side? Because it kind of leads into where we're going with the next game as well. But for sure with Washington, that's totally the right play, right? I didn't think so. And I'm the guy oh. who's like, yeah. And so here's the thing, right? Like this has been analytics week over at the window and it wasn't okay. planned, right? It wasn't, I was it just kind of happened. It just kind of happened because it turns out that Romeo Cronell is one of the most advanced thinkers right now in analytic and sort of game scenario and all of that, so, you know, win probability, win okay. expectancy, all of that kind of thing. Who knew? The man's 74 years old and like, looks like he should be at a Denny's uh, on a Sunday afternoon. And so like he ends up making the correct decision by going yeah. for two because of the game that they were in, right? So we'll sort of yeah. put that aside if you want to talk about that in a second. 
in the game that, that Washington was in, they were in a game against our boy Daniel Jones, where mm-hmm. it's not a high-scoring, high-octane offense type of a game. His mm-hmm. offense, Washington's, was not spectacular, right? New York took that seven point lead on a fumble return for a touchdown on a previous drive where Washington was trying to win the game. Right. So when I'm looking at that, I'm going like a lot of the times I'll be like, yes, go for two. Don't leave it up to a coin flip. Right. Cause the coin flip over time in a game where high octane offenses are going back and forth. I don't want to leave it to that 50 50. I want to sort of control my own destiny, so to speak. And two-point conversion is around a 50% probability. That's just math. Like, that's just the stats over the course of 20 years of whatever, right? But when you're the Washington offense, you're on the sort of back end of that, right? Like, you're on the less... You're the less likely than the 50, because the 50-50 is all offenses ever, right? That's including the Seahawks. That's including the (laughs) Packers, right? Like Washington ain't that. So when you're looking at that, I go, no, no, kick it. Let's play overtime. You're going, if you lose the coin flip, okay, that might work out better because then you can stop the Giants. And then all you need is like 20 yards and you can kick a field goal to win the game, right? Yeah. So it's like the, the bar is way, way lower in that game for success in overtime. Whereas okay. over in Houston and Tennessee, it's like, let's just end this now because our, I'd rather Deshaun Watson have the ball to make a two-point conversion than my defense on the field trying to stop Derrick Henry who's going to have to make a two-point conversion if we kick this extra point. So it's a game-by-game thing. And that's why the analytics sort of, you know, people say analytics means you go for it all the time. It's like, no, no, no. It's you have to analyze the situation. And by the way, like if you have a two-point conversion play where it's, you know, and I use the example of the Philly special, not that that was a two-point conversion, but that was a play, right? A specialty play where it's like, this is what's going to happen. This is who we're throwing to. It's either going to work or it's not going to work. I much Mm -hmm. rather see those then be like, you know what? Let's just snap it back to Kyle Allen and let him do some magic because there's no magic in Kyle Allen, right? Like, is he better than Dwayne Haskins? Probably, but there's no magic there. So they just drop it back. They hope for the best. And it went exactly as how you'd expect with Kyle Allen and the Washington football team. So th- this is where we agree, right? Because to me, I think if you're telling me that I could put my offense in a position to where it's in a do or die scenario from inside the five to win the game. I'm going to take that every single time. Now, if my team is not capable of doing that, then we have bigger issues to begin with to, to start off with. Right. Which I know sure. is just like obvious, no, right? Know your personnel, know sure. the strengths of your team, right? If you're a for sure, but then you got to play to those strengths. Yeah, but if we can't score, I, and I, I understand totally what you're saying. All, all, all I'm countering with is if we can't figure out three plays, like we know these are our three plays that we run in this situation, that's an even bigger issue. And that's where we agree, right? Yeah. I'd much rather see them come out with some, I hate saying trick play, but sure. some – play where it's just like hey this is our go-to play where we're banking on getting this one guy wide open on some misdirection or whatever and if it works it works and if it doesn't it doesn't cool that's where we totally agree and i'm always gonna and maybe it's more of a mentality thing 
for me than an analytical thing, just in terms of, no, I always want to be confident enough to say we can score. I have these two plays that I can pick one of these two plays and we can get it done. As a, as a Niners fan, I'm haunted by the fact that they were unable to win the Super Bowl, the Kaepernick Niners, unable to win the Super Bowl when it was first in goal from like the five and they couldn't score. That still, right. that pains me way more than last year's Super Bowl against, uh, with Jimmy G, right? Like that pains yeah. me way more. Like you, yeah. like Harbaugh, you don't have a play from the five and you have Frank Gore and Kaepernick, you can't do anything. So right. it's a mentality thing. With that said, where we do agree, the Texans game, right? You put that game away, you get the, the two-point conversion. You're right, Deshaun Watson, you'd much rather have him running that play for sure. But they also knew, and this is maybe where you're more correct, and I'm wrong, the situation of not wanting their defense to be deciding the game against Derrick Henry, which is what leads us <laughs> into the next game, which is a battle of 5-0 and teams, right? Steelers and Titans, Derrick Henry, as mentioned, coming off. Now he has three games of at least 200 rushing yards and two touchdowns, which is tied for the most in NFL history with Jim Brown, LaDainian Tomlinson, and Barry Sanders. Not bad company at all. No. Uh, As I look at this, I have the Steelers, but this is an interesting game for me because you got Mike Vrabel out here doing the most. (laughs) Yeah. Trickster. I love him. Right. So good. But yeah, it's basically another pick them game. I'm on the Steelers just because I love, and this is going to be another public narrative, not analytical things backing it up, but I love the Steelers defense and Mike Tomlin just getting the Steelers defense motivated enough to try to embrace this challenge of slowing Derrick Henry. You're not going to stop Derrick Henry, but I just like the Steelers as one of those smash mouth type defenses. If we even have any of those things left in this modern NFL now in 2020, but you know what I mean? No, but you know what I'm saying though, right? A team that's going to take the challenge of at least trying to slow Derrick Henry. What do you make of this game though? Titans, Steelers, five and O teams, Derrick Henry, just beast mode yeah, it's it's tough. Let, like, let's first and foremost, right? Like, obviously, Pittsburgh has looked a lot better than Tennessee has. And, you know, the sort of public narrative, right, is Tennessee is the 5-0 and version of the Bears, right? The fraudulent record. Whereas the Steelers, because they have Roethlisberger, they have this defense that you speak of. And it's like, yeah, all of that makes a ton of sense, right? But listen, like, remember the time when we used to have weddings? Remember we used okay. to go to weddings, like group gatherings, right? Yeah. And like, you'd look up and there's the groom and then there's the best man right behind him. And then there's, you know, all of the groomsmen or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. Well, what happens if the groom just doesn't show up, right? Well, the the whole thing's canceled, presumably, right? The best man doesn't just take the step over in his place, right? The old Jerry Mm -hmm. Seinfeld bit about like, well, if he's the best man, why am I marrying him? And so like, you know, you don't just take one step to the left and fill in. Okay. Unfortunately, football games don't get canceled just because your best player or, you know, the guy that you want to spend the rest of your life with doesn't show up. And the problem is when you're talking about this sort of embrace, you know, going up against Derrick Henry type thing, there's one player that's the key to the Steelers defense from a run game defense standpoint. And that gentleman had ACL surgery 
this week, yes. right? Their middle mm-hmm. linebacker, Devin Bush, right? He goes field side to field side, you know, back and forth. He's the centerpiece of that entire defense, right? Sure, mm-hmm. TJ uh, Watt makes a bunch of plays. handful of other guys make plays. Minka Fitzpatrick, all of that kind of thing, right? So when you go, okay, fundamentally what we have to do here is stop Derrick Henry oh, our middle linebacker is now out for the season, that is a major issue, right? So who's going to step in, right? The best man isn't there to step in. On Tennessee's side of things, this whole season, they've been playing without their best cornerback in Adoree Jackson, right? Mm -hmm. He is the groom of that defense, right? So when he steps out and they try to move the best man in and everybody takes a step to the left and all of a sudden the ring bearer is playing big minutes (laughs) in, you know, at at backup cornerback, now their defense is going to be compromised. And that's been a situation for Tennessee, even in all of their wins. Well, he comes back, the groom, he was just in a cab. It broke down. He's in, don't worry. The wedding is still on. He's coming down the aisle. He's back. Everybody gets to step back into their rightful place. And that's the situation for the Tennessee defense. Everybody takes that step over, right? The, the number two corner is no longer the number one corner. He can now just go be the number two corner. The guy who you don't really want on the field all that much, maybe, you know, nickel situations, that kind of thing. He doesn't have to play all that much anymore. Same sort of thing with the guy who comes in to play nickel, who you never want on the field, right? So all of these guys (laughs) move along and the defense just improves. So you sort of have a two ships passing in the night thing where Tennessee's defense is going to improve with the return of Jackson and Pittsburgh's defense is going to falter with Bush being out. And you look at it from an offensive standpoint, listen, we're about 16 games into the Ryan Tannehill era, right? Like we are finally there for 16 games and his numbers over the course of a 16 game sample, a full season, if you will, are MVP caliber numbers. We're talking about over 4,000 yards. We're talking about like 30 touchdowns plus we're talking about less than 10 interceptions, right? High quality stuff, but because it's spread over two seasons and because his name's Ryan Tannehill and he, and he still has a little of the Adam Gase stink on him. Yep. We're sort of still like not totally buying into the Tannehill because we see Ross who's been doing it for days right and we go oh man Pittsburgh offense for me Titans offense I think has more success on Sunday and I think this is going to be like the Packers where it's like oh Pittsburgh might be the best team in the league right as soon as that mantle kind of gets passed around that's a problem right no one's saying Tennessee might be the best team in the league They're not doing that, but they're saying that about the Steelers and the injuries are starting to pile up. And we've seen the line move from Steelers minus one and a half over to Tennessee being the favorite. And that's not like public money and just people all sort of deciding that Tennessee's the right side. That's some big money coming in based on this injury news that we've seen over this past week. So are we sort of spoiling it a little bit by maybe going sucker bet of the week here? No, it's no, no, the, that's it's fair. In it's in the that's running. That's fair. And, and, and this is perfectly why we do this podcast, right? To have these conversations in which we come in and we dispel a lot of these narratives in terms of, hey, this is what, this is the angle the public's looking at and then bringing up things that really matter. As you mentioned, right? Middle linebackers, not something that a lot of people are picking up on their fantasy rosters. So that, <laughs> that news, right? isn't going to be something that's on someone, everyone's radar, but also middle linebacker, unless you actually know football to understand how important that person is to the full on operation of an NFL team. Right. So this is why I love having these conversations with you, especially because 
you force us to be on top of some of those storylines that might go under the radar because the name recognition isn't as big as, oh, Derrick Henry's out or, you know, Ben Roethlisberger's out. So that part's perfect. And, you know, the fact of the line swinging from one way to the next, those, that information is things that me, myself, as more of the Joe Public football fan, might not be up on that game. So when you give me all these information and I sit there and I take all these things in, I'm looking more and more on the Titans. And, and, and as mentioned, a lot of, a big reason why is how can I be in a position to go against your man's Mike Rabel, who's out here just straight scamming the system, right? <laughs> like for people who are unaware of what happened, basically he sent out an extra player on defense onto the field on purpose to take a too many men on the field penalty, then faked being mad about it and upset <laughs> that his team <laughs> took said penalty again, where he was the one that sent the dude out there yeah. all just so that he could stop the clock, save his team about an extra 40 seconds so they could have enough time to tie the game and eventually end up winning it in OT. When you are pulling the strings from that level, I mean, that, that's more than the Mike Tomlin rah-rah speech that I was alluding to earlier on, right? That's a different yeah. game of chess. So I like that. So this, is, this is why we talk things through. Start out at one point, poke holes in the narrative, come yeah. up the other end with a different viewpoint. Titans, I like it. I like what you're saying. I will say that you convince me. And if we are calling this a sucker bet of the week, I'm forcing myself to okay. just blindly listen to whatever the sucker bet of the week is this week. Just because <laughs> I've been going against the sucker bet the past few weeks, making me the biggest sucker of them all. <laughs> I'm just saying. Well, don't be too hard on yourself, but at least like you said, we're having the conversation. And maybe by the time you find a name for this podcast, you'll fully embrace the sucker bet of the week. And it is worth mentioning because you talked about the importance of middle linebackers. It's yeah. almost like Mike Vrabel played middle linebacker for Bill Belichick for 10 years or so, right? Like that's a Belichickian move, right? This isn't all that complicated. And we sort of talk about like, why aren't more teams better at this? And it's yeah. like, I don't know why. And it's <laughs> you know, like, it's not, we're not doing secrets out here, right? Like Vrabel yeah. has taken his stuff from Belichick, gaming the system, if you will. Yeah. So it's like, can we all just do that? And for some reason we can't, I don't know why. Uh Someone who was also, I guess, under Bill Belichick, but doesn't really have the same uh, Belichickian type luck, we'll say. Okay. Uh, your man's Romeo Cornell. Now, the Texans got a win last week, right? But mm -hmm. Texans are now find themselves as three and a half point dogs hosting Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. We mentioned the sucker bet of the week. He tried to warn me last week about the Packers and I did not listen. And well, we'll, right. we'll get into the, the Tampa Bay talk soon, but what do you make of this game and this line? Because simply, I really just like the Packers here at three and a half point favorites. I don't really like the extra half point, but I also really don't like Romeo Cornell. So <laughs> I'm sitting here, I'm sitting here on the Packers and the Texans, Deshaun Watson, that might've been the best Deshaun Watson and the offense type game that we've seen so far last week, but still yeah. ended up in an L because their defense isn't really good. Aaron Rodgers didn't look good last week at all, as right. you did try to warn us. So maybe looking for a bounce back this week, 
maybe hopefully he definitely is right yeah he okay. definitely is and listen i've said sort of all week that it's yeah it's very easy to sort of be on the packers and just kind of roll with that right but obviously mm-hmm. there's some defensive concerns with the packers and if the texans are moving the ball right this is an offense that in theory has enough talent that they should be able to do so so this is one that i think is going to be a bit of a track meet right you're going yep. to get a ton of points from the Packers. Like we know that obviously Tampa Bay defense, not the same thing as the, you know, atrocious Texans defense. A so change it's in weight class as you, as you Abs- <laughs> Absolutely. Why are all these plays working all of a sudden? It's like, cause you're playing different players and a different scheme. And so, yeah, are Green Bay going to score a ton of points here for sure. But when we're looking at this and it's not quite sucker bet level, and maybe it is because I'm still probably going to be on the Packers, which would then make me the sucker in this case. <laughs> but it's just, it's going to be so back and forth. I think that like a plus three and a half, you know, listen, if it's a high scoring game, I always kind of say like, take the points because there's going to be a lot of them and you're going to get into sort of two point conversion type territory. And, you know, the back door will always be open and all of that kind of jargon, right. That we spew quite regularly here. And so (laughs) I'm not going to tell you not to take the Packers and I'm not going to tell you that it's the sucker bit of the week. I am going to say like, I don't love it as much as maybe I would have loved it when I was watching Green Bay last week and going like, oh, they're going to be coming back hard next week. Like they're going to get a lot, you know, it's going to look a lot easier next week. There's some injury concerns there as well, offensive line, all of that kind of stuff. And you do obviously have to be a little bit, you know, concerned about the one or two game-breaking plays from J.J. Watt, right? Like Mm -hmm. he's still good enough that he can make a play or two in the game. So it's not something I'm running to be like, this is a lock, yeah, But I do understand how you could really, really like the Packers in this one. Let's just be a little bit careful out there. I like it. I like it. And if we're talking sucker better of the week for people who might be new to the pod, the, the whole premise behind the sucker better of the week ideally is just something that when the entire public narrative is, oh, this is an easy game pump the brakes a little. That's basically what the sucker yeah. better of the week is. Take, take a second, take a step back make sure that you're sure that you're okay with what you're doing. That's kind of it. And as mentioned last week, no, sorry, go on. Oh, I was just going to say, and it helps that these sucker bets are often primetime games, featured games, right? Like the, you know, the Fox game of the week for Tampa Bay Green Bay last week, where Mm -hmm. everybody's watching it. Everybody's got an opinion, right? So when it's buried in one o'clock type zone, you go, you know what? If the Packers win this game by 20 points, like, is that going to break the sports book? Not really, because there's eight other games going on that the public's probably going to lose a a fair amount on, right? Whereas like, if it's a Sunday night game and everybody's headed one way and everything that's happened that day is going to that Sunday game, right? All of the parlays, right? Your pro mm-hmm. line ticket. And again, we say don't bet pro line, but like if you still do and you're putting yeah. that Sunday game in your pro line ticket, just know, right? Like that line is going to be tweaked because they know that all they need is that Sunday night loss and it clears a lot of the stuff off the books. That's not necessarily the case for a one o'clock game. So we're sort of less likely to put the sucker bet of the week on a one o'clock game, given that it gets buried with a bunch of the rest of the games. Exactly. I got you, my dude. I got you. And we mentioned last week, you're all over Tampa Bay, Tom Brady, and most importantly, their defense and their ability of what they did against Aaron Rodgers last week. And that was our sucker bet of the week last week. Now, 
this also ties into another thing we do on this pod, which is our Brady versus Belichick watch, which we got to give it to Tampa Bay in a big way. And if we start yeah. off with the Bucks this week, they are three and a half point favorites in Las Vegas. I almost caught my, I caught myself there. I was about to say Oakland. Do it but all the time. It, it happens. It happens, right? So three and a half point favorites, Tampa Bay in Las Vegas. And if the Bucks defense was a problem, and I know you're gonna, I know exactly what you're gonna say after I say this. So I'm gonna play this out. I'm gonna play this <laughs> okay. out. Play it out. But if the Bucks defense was such a problem for Aaron Rodgers, I don't see how Derek Carr is gonna be sitting here being like, "All right, I'll figure it out." And I know that it's not just Derek Carr. He has Josh Jacobs, who is a beast, and they're coming off a bye, and you know he might be able to cook up some things. They sat at home and watched it, but I just want to know that I'm gonna trust. Tampa Bay's defense to make things spicy as a saying I like to say all the time. Maybe I should make that as a t-shirt. Just make it spicy, right? <laughs> uh, against Derek Carr and that offense and just be in his face. Just make life difficult. Just give me the couple shots going to break of Indomitian Sue talking shit to Derek Carr like we saw last week, him and Aaron Rodgers going back and forth. But I like the Bucks. I'll take the three and a half points. What do you think of this game here with the Raiders coming off a of bye? Well, and the big news, right, is that the Raiders' entire offensive line uh, is in COVID protocol, right? So probably a bad thing if you're talking. And so the game's kind of up in the air as well, right? Because you go, you know, allegedly the COVID protocol would say that you can't even play until Monday. And so I don't even really know if this game, like, you hey, know, well, how's hold on there, happen? hold on. Not to make too many jokes about it, but right. maybe they've contacted Nick Saban and figured out, how to really what the proper procedure is to get <laughs> over right. COVID in Thrown, due yeah. time. Thrown a couple bucks at the team doctors to uh, to make a negative uh, a test or two. Yeah, Trent Brown comes down. And he's like he's on the COVID list, right? Not that he mm-hmm. has it necessarily, but that he's been in contact with somebody who does. And then of course the rest of the offensive line is like, well, we've been in contact with him uh, obviously over the course of the week of practice. And so now yeah. they, as an entire unit, have to at least sit out practice. Now this is a team that's going up against the Buccaneers, whose defense from a run game defense standpoint point is the best in the league and so you know obviously that's kind of like part one two and maybe three of the Raiders offensive game plan right it's hit you in the mouth with Josh Jacobs and then try to hit you deep with Henry Ruggs and so if they're just going to stop Josh Jacobs because a they're just good in general and Mm -hmm. B because maybe some of these guys, maybe it's just Trent Brown have to miss this game. So everything's up in the air. Obviously this sort of feels like it's, you know, Sunday night, right? We just talked about it. It does sort of feel sucker bet, you know, adjacent here, but there's just so much going on that like, I can't tell you to take Las Vegas here or that this is the sucker bet of the week. There's so much that could change between now and then. There's so much that could change. And like the offensive line's not even practicing together, right? And so, yeah, I mean, there's just not that much we can really go with here. That's one for sure where it's like, stay tuned for sure. Check the ticker for the latest, as we would say back in the day at the score to find out what's going on leading up to game time with this number, because you're right. That's like the O-line again, not necessarily the names that are going to come across your pickup or drop list on your fantasy team, but something that is massively important to the entire football operation. So more on that, but we'll, we'll use this time 
to shift to the Patriots, the other side of the Belichick versus Brady matchup. And as things did not go well for Bill Belichick, as they were dealing with their own COVID issues last week or coming off of said COVID issues. And the Pats now enter week seven below 500 after five games for the first time since 2002, which is Tom Brady's first full season as a starter, which has your man's Cam Newton saying things like, quote, I don't point fingers. I point thumbs. <laughs> Close mm, quote. I like that's it. A, that's a bar right there. That's a bar yeah. from Cam. <laughs> but the that Patriots. That might be the name of the podcast at this point. <laughs> I don't, yeah, that's true. I, there's a lot of this going on here. Don't listen to this guy's picks. I don't know. <laughs> right? But uh, the Patriots are hosting my San Francisco 49ers. And the Patriots are favored by two points. This line seems weird. I don't like this game, and this is one where I'm, I'm begging for some assistance here because the reason I don't like this game is I feel – I think I have a good feel on both of these teams, and I don't like when they're going against each other. <laughs> right. Right? So here's the thing. I know what the Niners do. They run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. As I tell you all the time, I'm not fooled by what Jimmy Garoppolo's numbers look like because I actually watch the game and know that his 268 yards and three touchdowns it's shovel passes and yards after the catch. So I'm not right. fooled by that. I know they just pound the rock, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. But I also know that Bill Belichick, schematically, his goal, I'm going to try to take away what you do well. So how do those two things meet up in this game in terms of the Niners getting two points in New England? Right. And so, listen, I was never like a journal guy when I was a kid, okay. right? Like I wasn't like writing into the journal, right? Where but is I this going? Okay. When, <laughs> I think with the NFL, sometimes we need to do a little dear diary, right? Okay. And so if we go into our virtual dear diary, let's start talking about like the narratives that have gone throughout this season, right? Yep. So dear diary, the rest of the league is complete idiots for not signing Cam Newton, right? Like that was like ah. week three, week okay. four like and to point where we're all embarrassed i don't even like run a team and i was like <laughs> i'm embarrassed i'm sorry like i should have signed him right like that was the guilt that we were all getting as a society because we didn't believe in the greatness of cam newton right he yeah. gets covid they miss you know he misses the kansas city game they push the week you know game back a week and now it's like okay he has a really rough game and let's not kid ourselves it was a really rough game against the denver broncos after not really being able to practice for a couple of weeks and now I'm hearing like on different sort of radio shows and programs, it's like, well, they can't bring him back next year. Like the Patriots are in the market for a quarterback. And like, it's just like <laughs> totally selling my guy down the river. And I was like, well, can I, can I no longer be guilty then? Because I didn't sign him to quarterback my team. Like, well, hold, I hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. Probably hold on. still pretty good. The thing to me that also makes this narrative swing so hilarious is the dude had COVID. Yeah. <laughs> right? We talked like, about our podcast. And like, right? Dr. Fauci hasn't gotten to the point in his study to find out what are the effects of COVID on starting quarterbacks the next right? week. Right? It's going to be a while before he gets to that and yeah. we get some sort of public announcement on that type of thing, right? So yeah, like he had COVID. I don't really know, whatever. Other thing, right? 
remember last week it was like the week was all of these teams that had no chance to win last week yes. then they won and now they have no chance to lose right and it, and vice versa right like the bucks yep. had no chance to lose against the bears now they have no chance to win against the packers and of course they do right yep. well guess what right we've got that situation happening twofold in this one right sunday night football the world on the rams there's no way the 49ers can not win this us game. not well, us not us but like like, you know, that was the narrative, right? And now they go on the road to the Patriots and it's like the line has crashed from five and a half before last Ooh. week down through three, down to two. Everybody all about the 49ers. And it's like, there's no way the Patriots can win a week after they were nine point favorites at one point <laughs> against another NFL football team. Like, I don't even yeah. care who it is as long as it's not the Jets, but like yeah. anybody else, like at nine and a half and now to be just two point favorites and have that adjustment seems like a bit of an over an adjustment, right? And so from a football yeah. standpoint, you like you said, 49ers do what they do. They run the football. And as much as we go, okay, like running backs don't matter all that much. And there's a decent chance Jarek McKinnon fills in nicely uh, as long as well as this hasty fellow I think is his name <laughs> that all of a sudden like showed up off of the kickoff coverage team and was taking, yes. taking carries last week like sure in theory he might replace you know Raheem Mostert but like not Mostert, really. oh man like that guy flies right you don't want anything to do with that guy in the open field and so it's simply put is New England's going to do what New England does. And what is that? They take away the thing that you do best or the player that you rely on most. And as much as that, like, in theory is the run game, that's actually George Kittle, right? On fourth and two, who do you go to? George Kittle. You don't think yep. they're going to put their best guy, two guys, however they want to do it, on George Kittle all the time. They're never going to let George Kittle beat them. If you are a prop better, if you ever sort of were interested in betting props, Kittle under is going to be a play this week because just it is every week when yeah. you're talking about the Patriots. Now, are we worried about the Patriots offense? A little bit, but were we all that worried about it when they were racking up points against Seattle? You know, it looked pretty good back then, right? And they're yeah. going to do what they do. And it's not necessarily explosive, but it isn't the train wreck that it was against Denver last week. I think no. that was just based a ton on lack of preparation. And so, you know, we can get into the narrative, you know, Dear Diary again about like Bill Belichick and coming back off of losses and all that kind of thing. And people cite the two and three record, but like one yard away from beating Seattle, which would make yep. them three and two and a Brian Hoyer complete fiasco against the chiefs for them, almost beating the chiefs in that Monday night game with basically like a hobo off the street as their quarterback. And yeah. it's like, man, like, okay, teams lose teams get upset. It happens all the time. It's the NFL, but it's not time to just dear diary. Cam Newton can't play in this league. And we were all right for passing on him. That's not the case. I think Cam Newton has a big bounce back game here. The 49ers, you know, are forced to throw it and you know what happens in that situation, right? Jimmy G oh, I'm, I'm Alliance. And that's very scary. I'm going the opposite way as most people, as most sort of sharp people as well. I like the Patriots in this game a lot. Yeah. And you know what the thing is too? There, there's a couple of things that you, you just said that I want to double down on. I'm not overreacting to what happened last week with the Patriots at all, just because as mentioned, Cam Newton coming off of COVID, we don't know what that means. We don't know how severe it was. We don't know anything about that, but we do know that, bare minimum it meant that he didn't practice all week you might need your quarterback to practice after <laughs> yeah. being off for a full week before that as well yeah. that might be something that's kind of important right yeah. so 
I'm not going to overreact to that. There was a number floating around about Tom Brady coming off of a loss in the same season, right? That number is Tom Brady's record being 48 and 13, which is a 787 win percentage. Obviously, we know most of that would be also a Bill Belichick number right. as well, right? So when you look at those two things and you, you, Raheem Mostert is super important. And I know that his name started to blow up a bit last year, especially with that massive game he had against the Packers in the playoffs. But the Niners offense just goes different levels when he's in there because he perfectly is able to run that, uh, the spread offense or the spread running game, uh, the zone running game that Shanahan yeah. loves so much. Mm-hmm. He accelerates at that because he's so fast, but also he's not afraid of the contact if the contact does come. So yeah. the running game's not going to be what we think it is. You mentioned the removing Kittle. Uh, if you are one of those prop people, that would mean Debo. Take Debo. If you are one of those prop people, look for Debo Samuel this week. But I will close out this section and say I will probably end up on the Patriots if not for another Cam Newton line or bar, as the kids say from last week, in which Cam Newton said, quote, the sky might be falling, but listen, I'll bring my umbrella, my raincoat to get the job done. Close quote. Okay. And that raincoat's probably going to have some like peacock feathers on it. Oh, for sure. It's going to be elaborate. You know that umbrella and and, and raincoat is matching for sure. But we'll go from Cam's current team to Cam's former team, which is the Panthers, who did not get the job done last week. And you did tell us they would be in tough against the Bears. Again, the narrative of Teddy Two Gloves and going up in weight class in terms of going against a, a different weight class in, def- in defense and defensive line. I think we saw some limitations last week, but still, I feel like we have a good read on these things, which is where mm-hmm. I want to be. But they're in New Orleans as seven and a half point underdogs. This seems really strange to me as that seems like a lot of points. I yeah. absolutely love the points here because, quite simply, I don't see there being a seven and a half point difference between these two teams. Am I way off here or am I missing something about the saints? I I don't think you are. And, and, and I just feel like the saints all season have been just a touch overvalued, right? Like you're always kind of getting, you know, whether it was against the Packers where it was like the line probably should have been about three and it was sort of three and a half a little more often, right? Like the line being higher than a touchdown, even against the chargers on that Monday night game, a couple of weeks ago, where it's like, you know, we probably could have gotten away with it being seven, six and a half, but like for whatever reason, the the market still believes in the saints. Right. And I still Mm -hmm. think they're a pretty good team here, but I've got, you know, I'm busting out the actual legitimate numbers here at this point okay. teddy bridgewater the cover king okay 30 and 10 overall how's that 13 and 3 following a loss how's that 18 and 4 as an underdog 18 and 4 as an underdog 16 Woo. and 3 ats on the road 14 and 2 as a road underdog this is teddy bridgewater's zone right here now i don't know that they win this game but i will be making a bet on their money line it's the first bet that i made it might actually be the only bet in the nfl that i've made at this point plus seven and a half for me was a take i don't know what the deal is with michael thomas right talked about it last week like 
Is he going to punch somebody in the face again? Is his ankle now his hamstrings kicking up? And like, I don't know what the deal is with all of that. The one thing that I have some concern about is, you know, we talked about the lack of preseason, right? And how these teams need four games one way or another. And it may not even be four games. It might just be four weeks of Mm -hmm. playing games and then reacting to those games. And so what we've seen is a lot of these teams off of their bye week come back with different stuff, whether it was the Steelers unveiling Chase Claypool or the Lions completely changing their defense last week. They also went away from Adrian Peterson and more to DeAndre Swift, right? Like these teams are making some small adjustments. Now, are the Saints going to make a small adjustment off of their bye week, whether it's defensively, whether it's offensively, right? Maybe Taysom Hill is gone. Maybe Taysom Hill is going to play 20 snaps a game, right? Like who knows, right? We just don't know. But if the Saints defense improves, then that might, you know, go to everyone, the market sort of overvaluing them, right? That might sort of give credence to that. And we might be looking at the Saints team that this market has expected all along. So still a little bit, you know, scared, so to speak about that. But listen, Teddy two gloves as an underdog, you know, against his former team. So a little bit concerned about that too, right? Did they Mm -hmm. know more about Teddy than we do, right? So Joe Brady, their offensive coordinator for Carolina, formerly of the Saints when Teddy Bridgewater was there. That's why that offense is working the way it's working in Carolina. Mm -hmm. But the Saints should know that offense so there is some concern don't go nuts necessarily but i think there's some value ton of value on plus seven and a half and some value on the money line and it's one of the reasons that we're going with the eagles in survivor and not the saints this week because the saints would be sort of that second you know one of the other popular options let's just put it that way i like it i like it a lot and last week as mentioned the panthers lost to the bears the Bears' defensive line now gets to feast on Jared Goff and the Rams, who somehow are six-point favorites, and I don't understand really how. And, you know, kind of like what I just said about the Panthers in the Saints game, I don't really understand how I look at this game and I say the Rams are six-point favorites against the Bears. So I'm on the Bears in the six points. And, hey, Khalil Mack, meet Jared Goff. Jared Goff, meet Khalil Mack. That's kind of my thought process <laughs> looking at this game. Yeah, and this game pl- was played last year, right? And it was actually mm-hmm. been played the last couple of years. So, you know, sometimes with these inter-divisional you know, matchups, you might not see them for three or four years. And we've actually seen them last two years. So the first one was in Chicago. Um, a lot of people remember it because Jared Goff looked terrible, like he never had been in cold weather before. And it was a complete mess. And then last year, it was a close one. I remember having the Bears plus the points feeling really good about it and then just watching the bears miss two field goals and then watch Trubisky miss wide open receivers for deep plays that would have sealed the cover and then watch the Rams literally drive it down the last four minutes. And, you know, they could have knelt. It was sort of one of those deals. And yeah, they're like, yeah, nah, yeah. let's just bury this into the end zone. And they end up covering the spread. Well, I think the Bears remember that, right? And so mm-hmm. they know that if they had a little bit better quarterbacking play, they had a little bit of better kicking, they would have won that game outright. And so you mentioned Khalil Mack, and obviously he's sort of feels like he's healthy where he wasn't last year as much. And he's really dominating. And that defense in general, right? Turning Carolina over 
over at the right time. They probably shouldn't have even given up a touchdown, right? There was an atrocious pass interference, like 40 yard penalty that left Carolina on the one that allowed them to punch in their only touchdown of the game. And so this defense is cooking along and the player to watch for on Monday night is Akeem Hicks, right? Like this is a guy who is dominating the middle of the defense for the Chicago bears. He's the guy who's kind of making all of these other guys work for his purposes, right? Like he's stopping the defense or stopping the run defensively. And he's allowing Khalil Mack to get like loose on that edge and be able to track down the quarterback here. So when Jared Goff is pressured, right? Like that's when he freaks out when he's off his spot. And I don't see any reason why he wouldn't be in this case. I like the bears in this one too. You know, money line's a little tricky. Cause again, you're sitting there going logistically. You're like, they're six and one now. Like how did we get here? But as this number sort of creeps up and who knows where it ends up on Monday, right? We're at six now from five and a half. Could it get to six and a half? That would be great. I don't see it getting to seven, but we might be able to get some rogue six and a halves where we're, you know, covered if it goes to overtime, right? As soon as it goes to overtime, if we got plus six and a half, we're winners. We're laughing. We're laughing, laughing, laughing. Uh, so the Rams at for the aforementioned Rams, pardon me, at four and two trail the five and oh Seahawks in the NFC West. Russell Wilson and company are now in Arizona as three and a half point favorites. I didn't like how the cards looked on Monday night. I thought, you know, Kyler Murray, there were some plays where, you know, that, that huge bomb he had to Kirk really inflated some numbers, made things look a lot better. Obviously Zeke's fumbles made things look a whole lot better and kind of masked like the fact that Arizona's offense didn't look that good at all. So now you're coming off that and going against Russ whose offense isn't going to look like Andy Dalton and Zeke's Cowboys, right? right? I like Seattle here. Yeah, it's like the worst 28-point victory in the, uh, the history of time, <laughs> right? Like for the Cardinals. You're like, yeah. what did we see here? Because we talked about the two fumbles leading to short fields. We, t- you know, we didn't even get to the 80-yard touchdown where like later, Leighton Van Der Esch literally turns to the corner that's covering Kristen Kirk and is like making hand signals that I presume yeah. are like, don't get beat down the field. <laughs> like they're going to run a go route on you. And then he's yeah. like, what? And it's boom, like 80 to the house. And so it's like... Like, I don't see any of those necessarily happening. Now, from an injury standpoint, are the Seahawks going to get Vernon Adams back, right? Remember the first two weeks where you and I were like, that guy's all over the field. Jamal Adams, Jamal Adams. Yes, thank you, of course. Jamal Adams. And so, uh, yeah, so we're like, oh, my God, this guy's all over the field. He's incredible, blah, blah, blah. And then he misses a couple of games, and not surprisingly, right? Like, it gets really dicey defensively for the Seahawks, even worse than it kind of was even when Adams was in the mix. And so is he coming back? Didn't practice on Wednesday. You know, we sit here Thursday, kind of a big day for practice, obviously Friday, the most important. And Mm -hmm. so, yeah, like does the 38 to 10 win or whatever it was, I I think that was the score, but like, does that sort of influence people to think that the Cardinals are better than they are? And are the things that the Cardinals did against the Cowboys going to work for them against the Seahawks. And I mean like blitzing hand over fist because that's the only way to generate pressure since Chandler Jones is out, right? Like that was part of our handicap too. Like Chandler Jones is out. How are they going to get pressure? Well, they decided, you know what? We're just going to blitz constantly from all angles. And is that going to work against Russ? No. I doubt it, right? Like he will beat them deep in a way that Andy Dalton like just can't, right? And so 
again, this feels a lot like the Green Bay Houston one, right? In that mm-hmm. it's a road, you know, favorite three and a half points. The sharp people are going to kind of tell you like, this is a soccer bet, like take the underdog, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And while like, I agree with that to an extent with the Green Bay Houston one, I just think this is one that in the past Seattle goes to Arizona and just absolutely trounces them. It's been the one sort of thing. And I love betting Arizona at home. I have yeah. been doing it for decades at this yeah. point, but this is always the one where you do it. And then like, it's 38 to 14 and you're just like, man, like I really stepped in one in that case. So for me, there, I like are there to see fans that. in Arizona. Uh, I believe some, yeah, some, but and it's not. been a couple okay. of weeks since they've been there. So yeah, okay. like, we might, uh, we might see a little bit more, but, uh, yeah, like that offense just doesn't look as good as it sort of make is yeah. making people think it is. Right. I got you. And so, yeah, we both appear to be leaning on the Seahawks on in that one, for sure. From Russell Wilson to another star QB in Pat Mahomes. And we saw a different Pat Mahomes on Monday night versus the bills as the chiefs ran the ball, ran the ball ran the ball, and then ran it some more. In fact, they ran it 46 times, which was tied for the most ever by an Andy Reid coach team. Not sure if we see that same formula in week seven against the Broncos, but I like KC. Am I going to get burned again by going against your man's Drew Luck and the Broncos? Who you you keep warning me, they're spicy. When Drew Luck is in, right? You keep trying to warn me. But yeah. I'm leaning Chiefs while it's still under 10 points. Yeah, and I think that's probably sort of fundamentally the right move here. And normally I would say, like, let's just wait. We'll probably get 10, 10 and a half. We can take the Denver Broncos. But there's one sort of underlying thing here. And listen, we're in Toronto right now. Like, it's what, 10 degrees Celsius out here. Yeah. Like, we're not worried about snow just yet. No. We well, you know where there's going to be snow this weekend. Denver, Colorado, and we are looking at our first potential. And listen, I'm not a weatherman. I'm just reading what they're telling me, right? (laughs) And so we could be looking at a snow game and you go, oh, snow game, maybe lower scoring. Like maybe Denver can hang in because it's, you know, the snow is going to jam up the Kansas City offense, all of that kind of thing, right? And so coming into the season where, you know, a few people were sort of talking, you know, pretty highly of Denver, they could surprise, they could make the playoffs. Mm -hmm. One of the main stats was Drew Locke was four and one as a starter last year right at the end of the season what was the one game the one game was against the Chiefs and it wasn't just against the Chiefs it was against the Chiefs in a snow game where Drew Locke was basically huddling in the corner completely shivering as though he was Jared Goff playing Chicago (laughs) in a no in a November you know evening and so if you were thinking like Denver might be live here I just can't get that out of my head because Patrick Mahomes is running around. He was looking like it was recess in grade three where he's out there throwing it around, having the time of his life. And Drew Locke was the kid going like, I don't like being cold. And so there's a very real possibility you show up to this game and there's three inches of snow and it's all happening out there. And Drew Locke is like, this isn't for me. And Patrick Mahomes is like, I got defense on skates right now. Like I'm making all kinds of plays out here. That's Mm -hmm. terrifying. I just, in general, I'm probably staying away, but I don't think you could go wrong with Kansas City minus nine and a half. I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, The next two, the next game is Falcons and Lions, right? Lions, or sorry, the Falcons are two and a half point favorites at home to the Lions. And I could be wrong here, but to me, 
uh, I'm going to call this a Spider-Man meme for me in my viewpoint of these two teams, because I don't have a good read on either of these two teams. Right. That's why, like in my brain, as I see it, I'm just kind of like, I don't know what's really going on, but I'm leaning Falcons because at least for one week, they stuck to a game plan of feeding Julio Jones. And I know that the, the, the numbers of 137 yards and two touchdowns are, is what's getting the headlines. But what was most important to me was the fact that he had 10 targets as opposed to just four targets in each of the previous two weeks. I just like seeing that trend. I just hope that that trend continues But I don't really know. You mentioned Detroit's defense earlier on. Should they make me more worried and and, and think more about taking Detroit as the dogs? I think so, actually. Yeah. I mean, I was high on Detroit coming into this season, right? And I might have been literally high when I had that take, (laughs) right? Like, it's possible. But this is a team, yeah, that came off their bye. And you sort of say Spider-Man meme, and I sort of, I completely get that. Uh, They were, they sort of Spider-Man themselves against me as they were the two games that I bet live, just assuming that those teams taking an early lead Detroit against Jacksonville, Atlanta against Minnesota, were going to blow it or at least sort of find themselves in a close game late. And that just never happened for either team. Yeah. Now, Atlanta, right, you've got this whole Dan Quinn is gone. They get the dead coach bounce, right, that we saw yep. from Houston before that. And we were sort of wondering if that was going to be the case. And it sure looked like it was the case against Minnesota. Helped that Kirk Cousins got into Kirk Cousins' throw a bunch of interceptions mode, right? Like that was pretty helpful in that case. And so does that carry on from week to week? I don't know that that does, right? Because there hasn't been anything sort of structurally that they've changed. It was really just like, we're going to do what we do and hopefully we catch a few breaks here and maybe we're playing a little bit harder, maybe, you know, because Julio's back, we've got more of our, you know, offensive options, all of that kind of stuff. With Mm -hmm. Detroit, like you can see discernible change in what they've been doing I mean, again, I guess it was the Jags. So in a way, it was sort of like a, a, a scrimmage in a way, right? Like a glorified <laughs> practice at this point. Yeah. But, you know, they were still like, all right, like DeAndre Swift, who like couldn't really get off the bench. Now he's getting 15, 18 carries and he's breaking off big runs, all of that kind of stuff, right? We've got yeah. a fully healthy Kenny Galladay. For my money, one of the top five receivers in the league, probably the most underrated from sort of a name standpoint, in part because he's having trouble staying healthy, but he mm-hmm. seems healthy now. And then this, like we said, this defense, right? Which was literally just playing the exact same system over and over and over again. And that's why they were getting shredded, right? We talk all the time. It's no longer a league where if you have one dominant defensive player or whatever, that they are going to dominate things. It's scheme. And if you're going to play the same coverage every time, teams are going to exploit that. Well, the Lions, hopefully, I think, self-scouted. And they're like, you know, we should really mix it up here a little bit. (laughs) And after a bye week, they did that. And it worked against the Jags. Is it going to work in the same way against the Falcons? Well, maybe not in the same way, but if you're going to give me a couple of points with Detroit, it's a team that I like to win this week. And I just think they're okay. a better team. And I just think there's more impetus for them having success going forward than there is for the Falcons. I gotcha. I was even reading some about uh, other GMs or front offices around the league, kind of wondering if Matt Ryan or Julio Jones could be available at the trade deadline, which kind of just seems like, it like it wasn't right. saying that they think they will be but just the fact right. that it was even a conversation just points further to your fact right in terms of if we're talking about where we think these two teams are going yeah 
makes sense, my dude. And, and again, yes, yeah, it's, it's time to blow it up in Atlanta. Right. So, and that's, that's the, that's that. Right. So I don't know that those two guys get traded. That doesn't really seem like a thing that happens in the no. NFL, right? Definitely like maybe doesn't. Julio, you could make the case there, but like a starting quarterback, even doesn't just going really to a happen. new team doesn't really happen. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but yeah, more so, I, I just want to point out the fact too, again, another perfect example of we bring up the line, we bring up what the narratives are, poke holes through them, come out the other end with a different feeling, or at least I have a different feeling on said pick. Now, last week's pod and this week's pod, we talked a lot about weight classes and you were right last week. We were fading Baker and the Browns as they were stepping up in weight class going against a Pittsburgh defense, right? And this week they're taking on Cincy and they're three point favorites against the Bengals. The Bengals are not the Steelers. And am I wrong if I'm not really minding that Baker is hurt and it could be Case Keenum? We could be seeing some Case Keenum. I'm only half joking, by the way. No, no, I don't think I'm not swayed that much by this news against the Bengals in this week. No, and it's funny, right? Like it's that standard, like quarterback the Andy Dalton type guy that like doesn't inspire anyone to get excited about them right like they just look super generic and that's the case with case and so that being said right like this is a guy who led that team in Minnesota to a what NFC championship game I believe right you had the Minnesota miracle like he was in charge of that whole deal and then of course even Minnesota was like yeah but like you're not it and so they went and got Kirk Cousins now are they regretting that to this day you know who knows right like that's neither here nor there the thing is though that team offensively was run by Kevin Stefanski as their offensive coordinator right so we talked maybe sort of foolishly in a way about Ron Rivera bringing in Kyle Allen as a backup quarterback because of his familiarity right same sort of deal here where you've got Kevin Stefanski bringing in Case Keenum a guy who he's had success with now obviously he's not going to just give him the starting job over Baker Mayfield there's way more invested in Baker Mayfield than there is in Case Keenum but like you said it's a guy who knows the offense and knows what they want to do and what they want to do is they want to run the football and that was a problem against a Steelers team that got out to an early lead against them right and so we talked about Mayfield being banged up um OBJ like missing a lot of practice time right sort of similar to Cam Newton right if you don't practice you're probably not gonna play all that great potentially in the week ahead um talked about the offensive line having some injury issues and those aren't necessarily going away but they're way bigger of a problem against the Pittsburgh Steelers than they are against the Cincinnati Bengals right and so a lot of people sort of see the Bengals in that game last week probably should have beat the Colts right let's just be honest definitely nothing you probably should have beat the Colts if you have fourth and one when you're down one point on the 40 yard line you should probably just go for it on fourth and one instead of trying a kick with randy bullock right like that's just never going to work and so you know you see that and you go okay the cincinnati team might have it going like they can move the ball a little bit on offense and that's not untrue but they still can't stop anybody defensively and they can't and you know, Cleveland is going to have a ton of success on the ground. And we saw that a month ago, right? This mm-hmm. was the game, that Thursday night game that like, I'm yeah. still not necessarily over. But the point <laughs> is, they out yards per played them by three plus yards per play. And remember, like it was, you know, Mayfield threw the interception and we were all like, you're running for 10 yards a carry. Why are you even trying to throw the ball? And yeah. like, I don't think anything's changed from that specific standpoint, right? Like maybe Joe Burrow is a little bit better. Maybe even the Cincinnati defense as a whole is a little bit better. But I think just from a road grading offensive standpoint, 
the Browns are going to rely on that a ton. And it doesn't matter that Nick Chubb is not in this game, right? Like it's like Hunt, Johnson, like all the way down the line here, right? Like they can run the football and I think they do. And I think this is one where we talked about it last week. This is a spot to fade the Browns, but we're not going to give up on them. We're going to fade hope to cash, and then that's going to create value and a lower number the next week. Because if they beat the Steelers last week, what's this number this week? Six? Something along those lines, right? So we're getting the lowest possible number that we can get here on a Browns team that people aren't clamoring to bet on the same way that they are with Green Bay on the road or Seattle on the road, right? Like it's just not the same thing. So give me Cleveland here, minus three, right? Make sure you get the three, even if you have to pay a little extra, but minus three, minus 115 is the bet uh, in this one. I like it for sure. And, and one big thing that's super important to me watching Baker Mayfield last week to this week, and we talked about the difference between the defenses you're facing. Baker last week was pressured on 52% of his dropbacks. That's insane. That's a lot. And we right. know, and we talked about it, happy feet Baker when he's like, you know, moving around in the pocket like that, that's not the Baker that is meant for success, especially in Stefanski's offense. So right. We don't expect to really see that against the Bengals, so I feel a lot more comfortable taking the Browns this week for sure. Now, it's taken us a while to get to the Buffalo Bills in this pod, and maybe it's because... Well, maybe it's because of the level of disappointment that Bills Mafia has with Josh Allen and company after... Because my dude was in the MVP conversation. Bill's Mafia is walking around with their chests out, talking about the MVP for the first four weeks of the season. And now the Bills are averaging just 16 points per game their last two weeks. And versus KC, Allen was atrocious, including mm-hmm. going 0-5 with an interception on throws over 15 yards. That's yeah. pathetic. But hey. Here come the Jets, who somehow in 2020 are starting Joe Flacco at running at QB and Frank Gore at running yeah. back in 2020. I briefly forgot. I briefly forgot that the Jets existed because I was like, who do the Bills even play this week? Because like that's how I have to feel about the Jets, like that they do not exist at all. Seriously, how do you start Joe Flacco and Frank Gore in 2020? We don't have to spend a lot of time on this. I only really bring it up because we talked so much about the Bills last week. And the fact that it's one of my favorite things to talk about, and I'm being super facetious here, the double-digit spread of the Bills being favored by 13, but it's against the Jets. So (laughs) I'm going to happily take the Bills here. Okay, and and that's – listen, I'm not going to be like, what – (laughs) <laughs> Not betting on the Jets. Like, how dare you? Like, that's ridiculous. Uh, you know, a couple things, right? Like, you're right. Josh Allen was more disappointing last week than Andy Dalton was. Yeah. Flat out, right? right. Like, I, I tweeted early on in the game. Like, if Josh Allen wants to mix in a throw that's anywhere near his receivers, he's welcome to do so. And it's like, yeah. is it the weather? Like, what's the situation? I'm like, the guy played at Wyoming, right? Like, he's seen weather before. Now, that being said, the knock on Josh Allen was that he wasn't very accurate in college. So I'm like, well, maybe that's because he played in Wyoming and he doesn't actually like the cold weather, the wet weather or anything like that, right? Like maybe he would be a lot more accurate if he played at Miami in warm temperatures all the time because that certainly was the case in the first four weeks when he was playing in warm temperatures, right? Like maybe he's just that guy. 
That would be unfortunate for a Bills quarterback, right? And that was always kind of the thing going like an inaccurate guy in Buffalo where it can be windy, where it can be yeah. rainy, all of that kind of thing. Like that's really concerning, right? And I don't think that Josh Allen went to Wyoming because he was like, I love playing in the cold weather, right? Like he was an under-recruited guy, obviously, sure. or he would have gone to somewhere in the South, right? So yeah. it's not, I don't think it was by choice. And obviously it wasn't necessarily by choice that he got drafted by the Bills. It just so happens that both places he went ended up being extremely cold weather type places right now mm -hmm. he threw some really good balls in those in those deep passes that he didn't connect on right and you have to give kansas city's defense some credit too that they were able to get some hands in there right there was that one where they threw the flag for pass interference oh, and it yeah. probably wasn't pass interference but it's like when have you ever seen somebody throw a flag and then be like nah just kidding like that doesn't really <laughs> happen so that was a little bit frustrating for those of us who are on the bills and by the way like we were on the bills talked about getting plus six right like even though the line mm -hmm. was like four and a half when we probably talked about this last week it was like wait 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 and that game was right on six yeah. and we were a chief first down away from them just taking knees in the game being over so it was weird it was that gambler sort of situation where you go oh i've been cheering against kansas city this whole time but now i have to cheer for kansas city to get the <laughs> that out now all of that is to say like that's all more important probably than this game going forward all right. i would all i would say about that is like the line's too high yeah it just it just is right but that it has to be because of where we are with the jets right now right as as the media and everybody starts piling up onto the jets we do just have to realize that like it's getting out of control my line's about 10 right i make mm -hmm. it nine and a half or so i had it seven if sam darnold plays so we're looking at you know, let's say a three-point adjustment from Darnold to Flacco. Maybe it needs to be even a little bit more, say four. That still only puts us at 11. We're looking at 13 and a half right now. And to me, there's no reason why we're not going to see 14 on Sunday. Sure. And I'm going to say it to you, and I'm going to try to do it with a straight face. I think I'm going to bet the Jets this weekend. I Whoa! think Jets plus 14 is it just – it ha like at that point – <laughs> From a number standpoint, we're requiring a Bills team who you just said has averaged 16 points a game. We're now essentially asking them to win by 16 when right. we're talking about a 14 point spread. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm saying 14 is the number. Plus I got you. 14. Not 13 and a half. Not 13. <laughs> plus 14, right? Because then as we talk about all the time, right? You now need three scores to win. And this is a team that's averaged only three scores in these games. And again, I talked about on my podcast, right? Like I like Kansas city to get about mid twenties, right? They'll roll out of mm -hmm. bed and they'll score 25 points, so to speak. Yep. And it's like, can the bills get 25 points ish on the chiefs defense? And I was like, yeah, I think they can. And so the disappointment was that they weren't able to do that. Right. So if they're not able to do that against the chiefs, chiefs defense, right? Like the jets defense, not great, but it's not atrocious right? So like how many points are this Bills offense on a short week? Are they really going to score? Now they might score yeah. 27 and then shut the Jets out, but that's not what we saw from the Bills defense this past week. And Definitely when your not. run defense stinks, like Joe Flacco just has to turn and hand the ball off. And I know it's Frank Gore and, you know, <laughs> and a collection of other guys, but like if the Jets just turn and hand it off 40 times to three different guys, like I kind of like their chances to cover right? And all it would take is maybe five throws from Joe Flacco. I mean, 
Yeah, I, I, I know I it's not comfortable. I, I know it's not comfortable at all. <laughs> I'll just say this. I, I, I like the bills here just in the sense that I see this being, hey, everything's fine with Josh Allen. No need to worry anymore. Like it's just a perfect time to be playing the Jets. And this number stuck out to me the most. Josh Allen, one in seven against teams that are three or more games over 500, including the playoffs. Mm-hmm. The Jets are not three games over 500. <laughs> no, are, and the Jets aren't fact, winning this game either. The Jets exactly. aren't going to win the game either. And so that's we're why talking we're numbers, and 14. I just yeah. see the, the confidence coming back to Mr. Josh Allen where he's running around and he's feeling good about himself. He connects on some of those deep balls to Stefan Diggs instead of missing them. Cole Beasley might want to catch some first downs here and there. But, hey, Bill's getting back to business. We spent too much time talking about that on – talking about this game which is my fault for sure for even bringing it up and i don't even want to really bring up the jags and chargers game either because i don't really have anything on that i'll just take the points because whatever who cares but the points because anthony lynn is more than a touchdown favorite right like it's simple as (laughs) that like what else do we want to say about it right like it's like you're going to lay seven and a half points with anthony lynn listen they might win they might win in a blowout because the jags just aren't very good but it's just like that's just a long-term strategy that's not going to work in the same way that like laying two touchdowns with a bills team that's averaging 16 points is a long-term strategy that isn't going to work out even if in both cases the games end up being blowouts right you just sort of have to live with that from a betting standpoint like it love it we kind of already discussed the survivor pick of the week being the eagles hopefully this podcast is out in time for people to jump on board and take the eagles i'm going to personally challenge myself to make that happen so hopefully you are listening to this podcast before we might just be ruining people's survivor leagues throughout the entire (laughs) continent right now for sure yeah and we, we we sprinkled a little bit of sucker bet sucker bets in there for you as well we got that house cleaning out of the way but in terms of where people can get more whole grain goodness from you mr matt russell please give people the info because on twitter you're handing out winners in all sports obviously we're in the middle of the world series right now so i know you're following along closely to that but also as mentioned so much football info on the window podcast and on your Twitter account, give the people the information of where they can find more of the knowledge that you're dropping in these streets. Yeah, man. Uh, It's the window podcast right here. Look for this logo. Just type in the window sports. We talk about if you type in just the window, you might end up with some sort of spirituality, karmic type, you know, work on yourself type of thing. No, we're talking about the window called it's called the window for a couple of different reasons. One of them, the main one, is that the window at the sports book is where you go to make your bets, right? Mm-hmm. And so, yes, we give out all most of the bets on there. We get into some stuff at Emrus Authentic on Twitter, right? Not, I don't just put the plays out there because I'm a little greedy. I need you. I, I want you to listen to the podcast. For sure. That's where most of the picks are, right? But we get into sort of time turnarounds and stuff. Saturdays, I put the college football stuff out on Twitter um, on a day-to-day basis, right? We put the podcast out early. Well, we do the podcast in the morning, comes out around noon, stuff happens throughout the day. So if something like that happens and I'm the first one to admit, A, when I get something wrong or B, when I screw something up from a podcast standpoint. And right now in the World Series, I forgot to mention 
that I made a bet. Now, normally I talk about every single bet that I make, right? Whether it's on the podcast or on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And I completely forgot to mention Brandon Lau for the Tampa Bay Rays as 33 to one MVP in <laughs> that series. Right. And I'm on the Rays, right. Cause you know, various reasons, but mostly because the number was just too high and we're sitting here at a one, one series and who knows how it's going to go, but we're still at least feeling okay about that bet. Now, Brandon Lau goes and hits two home runs last night in the Rays win. And I'm like, Oh God, I really, pro- and listen, I don't know that he's going to win the MVP. I yeah, don't yeah, really yeah. think that he but it's is a great start. Right. But it's, the, it's an example of a thing that, like, normally I talk about, normally I give it out, and I just flat out forgot in this situation. So I'm taking the L, even if I take the W, and I'm happy to take the W and the L in this situation. But that's just kind of the stuff that we get into, which, like, even if it doesn't work out, right? If you were sitting there with a Brandon Lau 33-1 to ticket, and he hits two home runs, they may never win another game in this series. But at least for that one day, we feel really good about it and part of listen most of sports betting is having fun watching the game so that's what we try to do we get in you know we deep dive a little further on all of this stuff on a daily basis you have to if you're going to do a daily podcast Um, Mm -hmm. friday is the big nfl show that everybody sort of tunes into the most and then sunday is the official like these are my picks this is what i'm sort of betting on this is what i'm grading on we talk teasers we talk underdog money lines which we almost made a gajillion dollars on last week but the red almost said the r word but the washington football team didn't get that two-point conversion and cincinnati blew the lead to indy and if we had hit both of those which we very easily could have given the game situation we would be mcducking right we would be (laughs) diving balloons in our silo of money out back and it would have been fantastic so all of that happens on sunday uh, 18, 11, and 1 right now in circa million. So, Woo! you know, not showing off, but not falling behind. Uh, we're in sort of the top, you know, 90th percentile. So, a ton of season left to go there. And gosh, hopefully we can get the Eagles home tonight and, and survive for the week so that we're sitting pretty and just hoping for a bloodbath this Sunday. I know that you're hoping for that as one of the friends of the podcast who are involved in that entry. Listen, I gotta, I gotta set a reminder in my phone to make sure that I take the Eagles and Survivor because after going through all of these games, like right. I'm looking around and I'm kind of like, oh, wait a second. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we're not yeah. loving so, the Eagles, right? It's no, 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 like, for what sure. Are, what are, what are our other options, right? Totally. And it's like I don't want to fade Teddy Bridgewater going with you know, the Saints. No, and you know, as much as we sort of talk about KC in the snow against Denver being sort of a legitimate option, it's more like I kind of rather just save in KC for the Jets next week and yeah. being able to put up our feet before the game even starts in that one. So yeah, yeah. a lot of it was sort of by default. And I think I might have taken the bills already, but I don't know. I got to take a look at all that. But either way, options plenty. And, you know, again, on Twitter, find all the whole grain goodness from Mr. Matt Russell. You can find me on Twitter at Shell Alexander. Same thing goes for Instagram at Sheldon Alexander. And basically you follow those places because once I put out my full picks for the week, as we continue to stay above 500 and win more than we lose, you can find those picks. The full picks are up every week. If the podcast comes out Thursday night or Friday, the full picks are made a little bit after that. But either way, check those out. Chirp me. Tell me what you like. Tell me what you dislike. And when you listen to the pod, also, you know, let us know what you think of the podcast, what you agree with, what you disagree with, what you liked, what you didn't like. 
all of that because we really appreciate it here on this podcast as well and like and subscribe wherever you've been liking and subscribing whether it's on apple Podcasts, spotify soundcloud google play youtube really appreciate it whether you like the videos do you guys like the little video clips we've been putting out anything we're here we're here to find out whatever information to try to help everyone just grow the community and win some money just trying to help everybody out right that's all that matters nothing wrong with that at all so for another week this is week seven good luck happy shmoney dancing for everybody hopefully the winners we all get some winners this week we continue the ride that is winning as I always say each and every week to close out the podcast, I used to pray for times like this, to rhyme like this. This is, I'll name this football pod later, part of the On Blast Podcast Network. As always, unpolished and unapologetic. Until next time, see ya. On Blast.